Hey, this is Leighton from Just Collect and Vintage Breaks. Welcome to Trading Card Therapy, episode number 52. This one is going to be an interesting episode. It is my love-hate relationship with baseball card conventions. And I'm speaking fresh off of our company, Just Collect, exhibiting at this past weekend's White Plains show at the White Plains County or Westchester County Center, excuse me, in White Plains. And we're going to talk about the love-hate aspect of baseball card conventions, but I'm curious for those who are watching this both live with me and afterwards, have you ever felt the same way? And if you have, please let me know in the comments because I would love to know how you feel. All right, so we'll start off and set the scene. Friday, they're predicting snow. They're predicting freezing rain and all sorts of really wonderful weather. And it's something that you don't normally think about if you're going into an office and a store every day. You know, maybe the store will have a little bit less traffic, but, you know, I'll get to my office. And um, as far as retail sales, that'll be what it'll be. But I have plenty of work to do regardless. So one of the things, of course, we did not consider was Mother Nature. And even though for some who are maybe attending, like, for example, if you're a dealer, maybe the weather being poor on Friday was really bad. Excuse me. However, there's a flip side. And the flip side is a dealer is maybe you weren't busy behind the booth, but you were able to walk the floor. And if you were there at the convention on Friday and Saturday, this past weekend at White Plains, you'll know that the difference between the Friday show and the Saturday show was night and day. Saturday was very, very busy. So was it only a function of the weather being better? Who knows? But Friday, even though it didn't turn out to be as bad as the weather folks said it would be, and by the way, when is it ever? Of course, accurate, almost ever. What a wonderful job to have. You could bat a buck 12, and you could be the star of Fox News weather. Amazing. Topic for a different episode. Getting back to center here. So one of the advantages of Friday being a little bit slower behind the booth is you're able to walk around not just maybe buy things, but talk to folks and have genuine conversations and be able to hear them. But of course, if you're only going there for that, why would you set up at the booth? You would just walk around the convention. So I find personally for me that the easiest thing to accomplish at a convention like White Plains is not having a booth and just walking around, chatting, networking, buying. I don't even know that I really bring any cards. And if I do, it would possibly just be show someone something interesting or to be fair, maybe if I have a prearranged deal. However, in this particular case, I knew that the weather was going to be bad and we don't plan on really doing much retail sales anyway at the conventions because there's many other ways to do that. And so we started to look at what we do at the conventions from more of an evergreen and a branding perspective. So evergreen is, hey, what kind of value can we provide to people both at this convention and ongoing conventions, no matter when and where they see us, no matter what personnel is there for us. Uh, so that's one thing. 
And then the second thing, as far as branding goes, is, you know, listen, I don't, I'm not a marketing expert, didn't go to school for it. Um, but there's definitely something for having your message out in front of your targeted, your niche audience, seeing whether it be you're looking for consignments, you're doing appraisals, you're buying, you're trying to sell, uh, you know, whatever the case is. So as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't really matter if the weather is good or bad or indifferent. For me, buying at the shows, buying at conventions, whether it be it's for uh, my PC, my personal collection, or on behalf of the company, Just Collect, or on behalf of Vintage Breaks, our breaking company, it is always much easier to buy than to sell. And I'm curious if anyone out there who's listening has felt the same way, or do you have a lot of success selling, but yet buying has been extremely difficult for you? Because I would love to trade secrets. Or if you're not secretive about it, let us know in the comments. I personally would love to hear what your tips are for becoming a successful seller at a trading card convention that focuses on sports cards. So one of the things that I realized after this past weekend at White Plains is not only selling difficult, and I realized that before, but this show is fresh. We were just there. Appreciate uh, you know Jimmy and the gang for hosting us. We realize that, you know, we're not folks that are doing shows regularly. So I have a lot to learn. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to make today's episode, our 52nd episode uh, of Trading Card Therapy, one that focused on trade shows. Because I feel as though you we were talking about the national. Well, the national is a week long. It's like a, you know, an epic marathon journey. And you've got to really be well prepared, you know, not just with money, but with, you know, Good snacks, healthy enough snacks that you're not going to be ill by the end of the week because some of the food at the convention centers, oy vey. Um, so uh, anyway, I realized a lesson this past weekend. This is a credit to anyone who's a small Showtime dealer, to the dad and the son who prepared before, to a big company. It, it doesn't really matter. But I know I'm not that good at selling at the conventions. And these are the reasons why. This is the part I hate. Because it's not something that we do regularly. You know, if our cards are priced from a previous convention, we don't necessarily update them for that upcoming convention. And of course, that is not great as far as a practice goes. And we're going to try to change that moving forward. But one of the things I found from this past weekend is some of the folks I asked, how did you price out all of your cards for this upcoming White, White Plane show? And they simply said, oh, well, wait, you know, I took about two and a half days. I'm like, two and a half days. And I'm like, oh. You know, you mean like you did a few hours a day for two and a half days? They're like, no, I, I spent, you know, probably like a solid eight hours, maybe 10 hours a day. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I got a son half the time. I have to go to the bathroom. I run two companies. I like to play tennis. I have lots to do besides all the things I just mentioned. And so what I've realized is. I'm going to figure out for me and our companies where we fit into the card show ecosystem. Because by the way, and I'm saying this now, just because your card's overpriced, it doesn't mean that you're trying to screw someone over. It might mean that you're not a card show dealer. You're not a regular. And that's not saying in any way that's negative or positive. I'm just speaking the truth here because I really wanted to make this episode to flush out some good stuff. 
And also to put praise where it's due. You know, if you go up to like, I bought a 64 Kofax. I think his name is Ray. And if I'm getting it wrong, I apologize. He had it marked a buck 50. I bought it for a buck and a quarter. It was an SGC six. It was a great deal. I bought a 68 Aaron All-Star from him in SGC seven and a half. Marked it 90 for 75. Didn't even ask him if he took PayPal. It was only 200 bucks. And I only mentioned to him, hey, I think I'm going to use using these for giveaways because, you know, I don't know. I didn't want him to think I was trying to angle him for a few dollars. I see this guy around. And it was amazing. He met me with a smile. He's like, yeah, you know, you got yourself a deal waiting. I was flattered he remembered my name because I didn't know if I knew his name. I certainly didn't want to embarrass him. But my point is, is like he didn't get to where he got as far as selling me those two cards by accident. And I didn't realize it until afterwards, until I, I, until I started to walk around the convention a bit more. I'm like, huh, you can tell the folks who spent two days going through their cards. And I'm not saying that they're better than everyone else who didn't, because by the way, I'm in the side that didn't. What up, Red Rum? What's going on, John? Shaking Mike. Uh, I just wanted to share this because I wanted to be authentic about my experience and really what I took from it and how I'm going to learn from it. I don't know that I'm going to, I'm certainly not going to be a regular show dealer, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to do much different. I'm going to try, but if someone talks to me in an intelligent, you know, considerate, uh, you know, the type of fashion where you feel like there's good energy, then listen, I'll look at a card. doesn't mean I'll sell it to you for less, but I'm happy to talk, especially if I'm just being idle and, you know, uh, I only, and by the way, for uh, full transparency, I didn't have my son on Friday. I did have him on Saturday. Vastly different experience. Saturday was so much better for a million reasons, including, of course, my son Crosby being there. But I would have preferred him to be there on Friday because it just wasn't as busy. And we could have done more, let's say, interesting things together. So anyway, um, I, I know I've kind of been all over the board. But really what I'm trying to say is, you know, we all, and when I say we all, dealers and collectors and investors and patrons and consumers of these particular card shows and conventions, I feel sometimes we take for granted like the dealers are just going to be there. And by the way, when they're there, they're all going to be really nice. They're going to have everything. Per well, they're going to have everything perfectly priced. They have free candy. They talk to your kid and they're like extremely, you know, outgoing to them and energetic. And, you know, you realize the difference as you go from booth to booth. But I want to be clear that just because Don Hans, who's an amazing vintage dealer, he's a one-man band. Guy's got like, I don't know, a half million, a million bucks of vintage cards at his booth. And I had my eye on several routes. I didn't even, like, break, stride, or sweat. I was at his booth for a few minutes. He was engaged in the conversation. I know I'll see him again. If it was a card that was set my pants on fire, I would have said, excuse me, Don, when you have a minute, could I see that particular card? I was just kind of, you know, enjoying the moment. And so I would encourage all of you that if you walk in there with no expectations versus like, hey, this dealer is supposed to have proper pricing and freebies for me. And where's my free T-shirt? And why aren't they telling me where the best lunch place is? You know, bring some value. So, like, for example, I bought a couple extra sandwiches when I bought some sandwiches from our team. I didn't have them earmarked for anyone. But they ended up being utilized by folks at the show, and and whether it be they were, they were associates or friends of mine, because I know you're kind of all caught up. And I was just so appreciative and grateful. This is one of my tips I wanted to share today. 
I do not take for granted that our team was there. Sam was there. Mark was there. J5 was there. Uh, he's otherwise known as John. And, of course, my son was there. He helped out a little bit as well on Saturday. But in order to walk around the convention, even if you have a neighbor, you really can't ask your neighbor to watch your booth for an extended period of time. I mean, to be fair, you can, but you reap what you sow. You know, if you come back and he's like, well, listen, I sold this for you. You sold it too cheap. You should have been here, right? God forbid you get robbed because I've been there. Listen, that's why I have people managing our um, booth no matter what. And I like to have no less than two. Friday, we only had myself and one other. Uh, Saturday, we had two. And so this is my point. I want everyone to hear this. Please appreciate the effort that even if the dealer doesn't have it all done the way you want, they paid real money to be there. If they have help that's there, they are likely paying them. They're probably covering their lunch. And then they're also investing their time. And make no mistake, please, I love this business, the hobby. This is mostly what I do. But I do have some other interests, believe it or not. And one of them is spending quality time with my son. And so we were there on Saturday for a good duration of the day. And I could tell he had a really nice time. But he was kind of hitting his limit. Candidly, his daddy was kind of hitting the limit. And I wanted to make sure we left out on a high note. So that's what we did. We tried to go to the bowling alley, to Bolaroo. I promised him, and there was a huge line, but we ended up feeding money to the arcades. My point is embrace wherever your convention is. This past week was in White Plains, so I knew what was in the general vicinity to try to make it the best possible. For other folks, I love eating well. Nice steakhouse, fresh seafood. For my son, he doesn't care so much. He's going to eat the same thing at all these different places. But talk to your fellow neighbors, to your fellow collectors. Meaning, like, guys, we're getting one time at this dance. So get the most out of it you can. Invest in, and by the way, if you don't have a booth, go with a buddy and offer to drive. Maybe they don't have enough for gas or parking's a pain in the ass because they want $18 and freaking $11 for a hot dog. But if you've got a buddy who's struggling, maybe pick them up. Maybe offer to buy them free lunch. Or, you know what, buddy, I got a few cards. You want to help me sell them at the show? Um, you know, I didn't just give my son an allowance. He didn't exactly, you know, sweat to earn it. Um, but he did do a few things. He said hi to a few customers. I'm laughing because I remember I specifically told them, and the first one, he was adorable, that he said hi to. Just make the best of it. But keep in mind, there's real investment happening. Now on the consumer side, because I'm there all the time, I love going to conventions. If you're driving an hour, if you're taking three hours from your day, forget about any money that you might spend, I think the dealers that are treated really well appreciate that even if you don't spend any money, they'll joke with you. They'll tell you where the nicest restaurant is, even if you don't ask, because they want to make sure you're going to have a good time and maybe come back. So anyway, look for some help. Look for a buddy to go to the show. That's one of my tips. All right, the, another one, and I'm laughing because I always feel like we're organized. And when I realize that being organized, it's, it's, a, it's, a, time, it's a timeline. Right. It's a it's a it's a pendulum. And so we're getting more organized with every convention. We're not there yet, but you can clearly see, right? If you only brought like 15 cards, maybe you sell none, but we would nail, we would have all 15 cards priced accurately. We don't know if we'd sell them, but it'd be very easy to manage all that. We brought, I don't know, 500 graded cards, 800 graded cards in this course. 
It was too many. And that leads me to my next point. Believe me, I'm so guilty of this. I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly embarrassed because J5 is in the next room. At every convention, he always says to me, late, I think you're bringing too much stuff. I'm like, J5, what if I ask for a, no, a 78 Top 3's company number one card in a PSA 10, which I have, by the way, but it's for my PC because I grew up a big 3's company fan. If you are or were a big 3's company fan, please let me know in the chat. All right, so in terms of the bring in the too much stuff, what happens is you actually now have some increased liability. Inevitably, the stuff doesn't go out. What happens at the end of the day if it's a multi-day show? You're like, oh, my God, am I going to lock up this entire extra bin or two of graded cards in you know what they're calling these body bags, these big black bags, and you know, they lock them up. You're still stressed, even if you have insurance. No one wants to call the insurance company. Believe me, it's very unpleasant, I think. And so we've cut down now on what we bring. And this is kind of leading to the next point, but we alluded to it earlier. I don't care if you're a dealer. I don't care if you're a collector. If you're a collector and you love wrestling, you have a little wrestling business card or something cute, a keychain that you give everyone. So they know that if you get wrestling cards from the 80s, that you're the guy that they should call. So... Go there and be prepared and be well-organized. Don't have too much stuff, but look at it as you are branding, whether it be yourself or your company. And I'll tell you, this is my next point. So I'm just, I'm trying to move right through. The guys are going live at 3 o'clock. Check out Vintage Breaks if you haven't yet. We go live seven days a week on YouTube. You can find us at youtube.com slash Vintage Breaks. Of course, you can go to our website directly at vintagebreaks.com where we have well over 100 different breaks we have vintage. We have modern. We're actually the world's leader in set breaks. What does that mean? Buy a spot in 86 clear basketball. There's 132 cards for a certain price. You'll get guaranteed one card. Well, in this one, there's a Jordan PSA 9. We got a 1957 Topps uh, basketball set break. We got baseball set breaks for as cheap as 750. We got a lot of fun stuff. Don't take my word for it. Check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash vintage breaks. We have over 20,000 videos about breaking. Hey, what's going on, Monty? Oh, well, absolutely crushing Suzanne Summers and Don Knotts and Jack Tripper. I mean, really, they were uh, they were fantastic. Love that show. So anyway, point is, when you go to the show and you start to look at it more than one dimensionally, and you're thinking about, oh, what if they get this? Even if you're just a collector, people are like, oh, I don't get this. Let me tell you something. There's a bunch of collectors I see going around every major convention. They might flip a little bit. But they're known as the person for that, hey, you got numbered, you know, first-year Brady cards? Bang, you call that guy. I just got off the phone with someone at lunch. They want Jackie Robinson and Babe Ruth. I told him about my 48-leaf Jackie Robinson PSA 6. He said he's interested. Great. Shortly after Trading Card Therapy, episode number 52, I'm going to drop him a line. Maybe he buys it. Maybe he doesn't. But you're always networking because that individual knows the reason why he reached out. He said, Layton, I know you have vintage and I know you have vintage that you don't tell people about sometimes. Absolutely. This is what I mean about branding, about marketing yourself, not just a dealer, not just an individual, not just uh, a business, but just as a regular collector. That's how this all started. So things have changed a little bit. You might say, you know what? I don't need a business card. This is my IG. Follow me. I produce amazing wrestling content. And the reason why I'm talking about wrestling is I bought some amazing wrestling pieces. Oh, they're in the other room. Can you grab me my, my black backpack? Please, thank you. So um, 
we're getting to the end of the tips here. This is vital, vital. It is so much more apparent than ever. I was really surprised. So people say cash is king. No, cash isn't king. Cash is vital. It's vital to your existence. Some people would literally solicit me. I would be on the floor of the convention. Late, I got this. I think it's a good deal for you at X. And you should take it. I'm like, great. I will take it. I don't think about how they want to get paid. And then they're like, oh, it's, it's cash only. I'm like, oh, well, I only brought a certain amount of cash. And so they're like, well, you know, I only want cash. I want a lot of things. So I want to caution people twofold here, right? One, make sure you bring enough cash. And if you're not sure, bring extra, okay? Because some people have become so adamant about only accepting cash that literally, and I made this note, but I knew exactly what it said anyway. I cannot believe it. But checks are greater than, not greater than or equal to. Checks are greater than cash in terms of price paid. What do I mean by that? I say to this gentleman, I said, sir, I will pay you full price via company check. He said, oh, I, I know who you are. I said, great. So you take my check, no problem. He says, I, I can't. I had a problem one time. I said, my check? No, no, it was a guy. His name is Lenny. It was seven years ago. I'm like, Lenny? I don't even know a Lenny. He's like, it doesn't matter, Lenny. He goes, I can't take your check. I'm like, you know the bank account? He goes, no, I have a bank account. I can't take your check. I stopped arguing. I said, listen, here's the deal. I'll make it very clear because I don't want you to think I'm being a dick, but I'm being blunt and from the Northeast. I don't know a different way. I am not going to pay you as much for this group that you're saying to me is as good of a deal because I don't have an unlimited amount of cash with me. Whereas if you said to me, I could write a check, I could buy a heck of a lot more than what I see right in front of me. He said, Lane, I really appreciate it. He goes, what's the most you're paying cash? No problem. I didn't feel like I offended him. FYI, I saved $200. You know what $200 is? That means we're going Sizzler, baby. Oh, that's right. Little white man can't jump uh, reference. I think it is. Um, so, yeah, exactly. So, anyway, that's really important because as a collector, oh, my goodness, I couldn't believe people. I was like, all right, all right you don't want to check? I'll give you electronic payment. You know how proud I was? I, I'm moving forward to this decade. I'm like, we have Zelle, baby. They're like, we don't do electronic payments. I'm like, wait a minute. You don't take electronic payments. You don't take check. Cash is the only thing. No problem. Now I understand. Uh, cash is going to be vital moving forward. You will definitely uh, get a much better deal. And if you don't get a better deal, I'm telling you, mark my words, there will be some of the convention, whatever the item is, it doesn't matter. There'll be something you will find. I guarantee you that you will get a better deal in cash than you will via electronic payments, via, I don't know, moon rocks that you got in some crazy trip to Taiwan. I have no idea, but believe me, bring cash. Hey, what's up, Daniel? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, so next up is, and I mean, this is very obvious, and it's one of the last things, is get there early to buy the best stuff. I didn't get there first thing on Friday and I felt like a little less excited. Why? Not because I'm necessarily, if I get there first thing, that that item that's great, I'll be able to buy it and maybe sell it. No, because I would just like the opportunity. I'm also a collector. So if that is something that's important to you, one of the really cool things that I dig 
about the conventions like White Plains, like Philly Show, phillyshow.com. We're setting up there in March. Amazing show, one of the best in the country, not counting the national. Of course, so some of these shows, now let's just say they open 3 o'clock to the public. 2 o'clock, they have an early admission. You might say, like, you know, dude, I don't want to pay an extra $10 to get there early. But you might take that money up, like, literally 10 times, 10 to 100 times that. So if you can get there early, I would encourage you. So the last thing I wanted to say, and this is a shout-out to the gentleman I did a deal with. Um, it was interesting because... Totally, you can check it out on my IG account, Leighton underscore Sheldon. Totally straight-faced, you know, very, I thought, conservative individual. Says he's working on an 86-3 basketball set. He's got every card in the PSA 6 other than the MJ. I happen to have an MJ PSA 6. Says your price is a little bit above market. Um, you don't have any flexibility. So I tell him my price, uh, my best price. I specify cash. Because, you know, I don't want to be hip, right? And... He says to me, well, I have a few cards that I might want to, you know, trade towards it. I said, all right, you know, do you have any vintage? He said, well, I think I have a couple vintage. I wasn't feeling that convinced because of the way he said it. I'm like, you know, like older cards. He's like, yeah, yeah. He takes out the thing. The first card's like, I don't know. Like I'm a Tumbo 91 upper deck rookie in a 10. I'm like, this is not good. I don't want this card. Next card's like uh, Mo Bamba, you know, Prism, PSA 10. I'm like, no, thank you. What up, Nikki? And he's like, no, oh, no, I think I have a couple of cards. Pulls out and didn't see this coming. 68 Mantle, 69 Mantle, 61 Tops, Willie Mays. I'm like, you know what? I'll look up the value. And this is going to be my last point of the show before I show off some cards for sale. It all rolls together. He wasn't necessarily making me laugh. You could tell he was almost a little bit timid, but he was very clear about what he was looking for. I really appreciated that. I told him my best price. He said, hey, I'm just looking to save a little bit of cash in terms of my outlay. I still want the Jordan. What can you do on these cards? And so I looked at the cards, and this is where you can cash some more, you know, bees with some honey. Of course, not just the conventions. In real life. I'm going through the cards, and I think uh, they were worth in the vicinity of, uh, I'm going to call it $450, maybe $500, so something like that. Um, and I figured I would net about $400. So I said to him, after long deliberation, you could tell by, I was, I'm a little bit pained by it. Did I do the right thing? You know, a lot of dealers only pay half for cards, pay 60%. And to be fair, right, you know, we pay excellent for graded cards. For vintage graded cards, we will pay 70 to 80%, if not more, if we really want those graded cards um, as, as far as vintage. And so in this particular case, I said to him, listen, it looks like you really want this, Jordan. This is what I think the cards are worth. This is roughly what I'm going to net. I will accept 3600 plus these three vintage cards, which I value net about this $400, and that will equal the 4000 I want for my nice Jordan 6. And he thought about it. Maybe 30 seconds. Didn't counter. I thought he might say no. He said, I really appreciate it. Took out his 3600 in cash, plunked it down, verified the three cards, and then we made a quick IG about it. So you can check it out on my Instagram once again, Leighton underscore Sheldon. And so to be clear, if he was more aggressive, if he wasn't that nice, if he had negative energy, 
I'm not so sure I'm giving him four or five hundred dollars credit for those cards. Maybe it's three hundred. There's no steadfast rule, but I do know this: that the better that someone makes you feel, whether it be you like it or not, your body, your brain is going to want to be nicer to that individual. Try it. It might work sometime. Get a free drink at a bar. Get an extra bagel in your dozen at the bagel store. Get an extra wink from, you know, pretty lady at the bar. You just never know. So bring the good energy. Catch more bees with honey. And so the last thing is, and, and this is really what I wanted to close with, my whole love-hate relationship with card shows, is that I, I'm systematic, right? I, I've worked for myself for almost 20 years. Plenty of things I can improve upon, of course, not just professionally, but as an individual, as a man, as a father, always trying to work and to be uh, a better person. But when it comes to the card shows, I'm really, I'm struggling, but I'm, I'm, I'm did this episode because I'm hoping to gain some wisdom, not just from, of course, what I talked about, but I'm hoping for some of the content comments in the future that are going to come in, that you're going to have some advice. And so I have a group of cards here. They're about to go up for sale on our eBay account. Our eBay account is just underscore collect. I don't know if I'm going to run through all of them because there's a bunch. I'll show off some of the cooler ones. It's easy for me to identify what I want to ask for. Yes, there's some fees. If someone wants to contact us directly, you should do that. That's, I guess, one of the last tips just in terms of buying and selling cards in this day and age. If you can get a hold of the seller off the platform and there's fees, you might save yourself some money. And that money can be used, of course, to go to other conventions or go on vacation, do a lot of other fun things. So I just appreciate the systematic approach of putting the prices on the cards. Yes, you have a little flexibility because it's being put on eBay. Guess what? Someone might sell. There's some there's some nice cards in here. Now, I'm going to start off with, thanks, Red Rum. I'm going to start off with the doozy. It's a 33 Gaudi roof. It's a PSA 3. And I was really surprised when I looked on eBay that there was not that many, even in the three range or higher. So this is a beauty. It's been on eBay before. It's not been on eBay for quite some time because we migrated over uh, to a new platform, which is Mascot. So if you have a question about any of these cards, you can send me a DM. This is um, one of my favorite cards from the 48 Leaf set. This is a Warren Spawn Rookie. Great color for a four. I mean, really, the card looks like a solid X. We could talk about grading and how tight it is on quality vintage on another episode of Trading Card Therapy. Oh, this was an awesome card to do research for. So this did not come back recently from SGC. It came in collection. I did not know this, but Armando Marsans here featured on the St. Louis Federals on his 15 Cracker Jack in a gorgeous high grade. Of SGC 7.5. Well, guess what? He's in the Cuban Hall of Fame. And he last played, that's right, for the New York Yankees. All right, let's show off a couple other cool cards in here. Oh, this one is one of my favorites uh, from one of my all-time favorite sets. But a Red Grange Sport King SGC 4. Very well centered left to right, just slightly off top to bottom. But, man, this car just hits you right there. That leather helmet, that old-school jersey. Let me know in the comments if you appreciate cards from yesteryear just like this. Got a couple mantles here, so we'll close with that. These are two cards, I believe, that I acquired 
in a cash trade with a break a maniac from the vintage breaks community i'll just leave the prices on them but you can see here's a couple mickeys an all-star 58 pretty well centered all-star from 62 also fairly well centered so that is today's episode trading card therapy episode number 52 I hope that you enjoyed. Thanks, everybody.